As we get further into our exploration in this podcast series about calling it good, about what it means to rest and reflect upon the things that we make, the idea of Sabbath must become a central one. When we forget that Sabbath is a gift for man, an important balance to the work of creation, then meaning and excellence are often lost in the hurried pace. The global pandemic of 2021 due to COVID-19 forced a lot of us to slow down or even stop our day-to-day activity altogether. For some, it was a rare moment to actually consider the ramifications of our busy cycles that maybe otherwise wouldn't have ceased. For author and singer-songwriter, and really so many other things, Andrew Peterson, the last year or more certainly presented some challenges, as it did for everyone. But it was also an unexpected respite after a quarter century of creative work, of leaning into his considerable musical and literary gifts to release album after album and book after book. As Andrew explains in this episode, The pandemic provided him his first year at home in his entire adult life. It gave him a chance to reflect upon his own creative work, the mission of the rabbit room, and what Sabbath even means for him and his family. As something typically overlooked, ignored, or even treated as a hurdle, Sabbath is actually a beautiful rest intended for our benefit as creators made in the image of the creator. We hope this honest and heartening conversation with Andrew encourages you in your own journey ahead to figure out what Sabbath means and how you can enter into it. Here's our conversation with Andrew Peterson. Welcome back to the Call It Good podcast. I'm here today with what some people would call proprietor. Do people say that anymore? That was like an early term of the rabbit room. Well, not right? so much. It was it was kind of like a joke because of Barlaman Butterbur, the proprietor of the Green Dragon or whatever it was. And uh, <laughs> but now that the non the the rabbit room is a nonprofit, so there is no proprietor. The people are the proprietor now. Do you miss being the proprietor? No. <laughs> not at all. It's a lot of pressure. Well, this uh, I'm here with Andrew Peterson, and who's in the midst of a very, very busy season. The Rabbit Room is bustling with activity, but your own family is bustling, yeah, with activity. Do you want to yeah. let us in on what you've been up to this summer? And yeah, man, um, the so both of my of we have three kids who are all um, let me think twenty two, twenty one, and eighteen. Wow. And uh, the two oldest just got married a month apart from each other. Um, this summer, my two sons got married. So I have two new daughter-in-laws, daughters-in-law, which is awesome. And uh, the the weddings were wonderful. And emotionally, uh, um, just we, we feel just kind of like, uh, how happy can you be? After a while, being, ha- <laughs> being happy is kind of tiring, you know? Um, it's just been a really sweet, joyful season. But... Um, more work than any than I would have ever guessed it would have been, you know, to yeah. to marry off two sons. Like we're the we're the parents of the groom, which you would have thought would have been a little chill, but nope, it's a lot. Um, well, most parents of the groom don't host the wedding. Yes, that's the difference. Is they got married on our property, which yeah. is really sweet. Like just before I called you, we were I was walking through the woods, and we still have the arbor up, 
under which Asher and Olivia got married. And so we're going to leave it there as long as it'll stand mm. as kind of a, an altar to that beautiful thing that hallowed that space in the woods, mm. you know? Um, so it's a, it's a, it's been a really good season, but the rabbit room is hopping and we just funded the wing feather saga animated yeah, series. But like, as we speak, there's a writer's retreat over at um, next door where a group of writers are plotting out the season, the episodes <laughs> and doing all that kind of stuff. And then uh, yesterday or day before I turned in the final illustration for the God of the garden, which is the new book that's coming out this fall. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there's so many things. Like I was telling Jamie, it's, it's like what a gift it is, you know, that like to, to have a life that where you get to like dip your toes into so many different fun creative outlets you know so it, there are times when it all comes to a point and you feel like oh my gosh why did I say yes to all this but when I step back I'm like oh man I'm so thankful like I, mm. I couldn't be happier and well appreciate you carving out time uh yeah you know, to to make this happen it, um for people who maybe jumped just into this episode um this podcast is just a short run series that Really, we wanted to explore this idea uh, in depth of what it means to be created in the image of a creator. And really specifically, what does it mean for God to call to call creation good? And how can we participate in that? Is that something we can participate in? Is, is only God allowed to call something good? What does it mean for us to rest and reflect on things that we've made and and participated with the spirit um in in creating and i guess i'd love andrew i'd love to start with what you're just talking about the rabbit room has grown to this thing where many things are being generated where the spirit seems to be moving and and active in so many ways and i guess i just wonder for you what like given all this experience and and what you've learned over time like as I bring up even this premise of of what does it mean to call something good, what do you feel like the rabbit room has taught you about this whole premise and and or maybe what are some of the challenges or questions you still have there? <laughs> um, well, it's interesting in the context of the rabbit room. Um, it has been really like you know I've heard that uh, business people have told me that like two of the worst things that can happen to a business is if it grows too slowly or if it grows too quickly. Mm. Um, because if obviously if it grows too slowly, then it just isn't working. If it grows too quickly, you're kind of like playing catch up all the time. Um, we're not in that place quite, but it's easy for me to see why that would be a real problem. Um, cause the rabbit room started, you know, pretty small when, um, we, I'll just say that where we are now is, you know, we have some people on staff, we have this incredible community of members who are kind of like helping us, uh, they, they, they're the reason that things keep happening and we have the web store and all these like facets on the thing. Um, but we're feeling a real tension right now about, um, how to say no to ideas that we have. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a creative community, like, and all these different ideas will pop up in staff meeting. Oh, we could do this. We could do that. We could, Ooh, here's this book that we think ought to exist in the world. Or here's, you know, what if we did Hutchmoot online, you know, this past year we did Hutchmoot homebound and uh and every little idea is so exciting and then a cup fast forward a couple weeks or a month as the deadline is approaching and we are frantic Mm. 
and everybody is overwhelmed and working really hard. And so I feel like um, one of the the things that we're having to learn is this balance of um, you know s- scalability. Like how much can one person do, and how, at what point is it okay to say no to a really good idea um, because it's actually not as life giving as rest, you know. And so uh, that that's what comes to mind when you talk about it is that I have spent you know, 25 or so years of my career getting super excited about an idea, um, you know, kind of spending a lot of energy doing the thing. And then um, because I, like, because of, I think, a lack of wisdom, I've said yes to too many things, too many fun ideas. And then you end up not enjoying any of it. So there's no moment at which you step back and say, it was good. And then you rest in the the kind of like goodness of what you've created and, and enjoy the goodness of what you've created. There have been serious times, but I'm I'm realizing that you have to like you have to like uh, value that part of the process as much as you do the rest of it. You know? Yeah. Um, and so there's something that's haunted me is uh, Eugene Peterson, who is uh, like one of my heroes. He I was playing at an event that he was at and they interviewed him on stage and they were like, you're 80 something years old, looking back over the a career in the ministry. Um, is there anything you would have done differently? And I don't know if you ever heard Eugene talk, but like he would pause for an uncomfortable amount of time before he answered any question, <laughs> like just totally okay with like awkward silence. Right. (laughs) And, uh, and you know, over the course of the interview, this, that would happen. But when the guy asked him, do you have any regrets, anything you would do differently without a pause, he said more vacation. And I was like, interesting. And so as a kid who grew up in with a pastor father and the demands that the ministry puts on a person, um, and this feeling that you're never really clocked out, you're always kind of like, doing this thing. Like I, I kind of, that was several years ago and I have kind of learned, I'm learning to be unapologetic about the fact that like I need to stop and, and enjoy creation, enjoy uh, meaning God's creation, enjoy the feeling of no one needing me enjoy the, mm-hmm. like without guilt. I think there's a very American mindset that if you're not contributing, if you're not keeping yeah. the gas in the engine, then you, you should feel guilty. So anyway, all that to say that that's kind of where I feel like the rabbit room where we're realizing that we need to find some kind of balance and, tr- and really what I think it is, is a, is a, is a way of embodying trust that God is going to take care of you. Um, and so, um, there are so many good and beautiful things and too many, too many good and beautiful things. Um, it ends up becoming a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, we're trying to trying to figure that out. I want to I want to ask about this in a couple directions. One, organizationally, like let's talk about the rabbit room. It's one thing when it's a scrappy little enterprise that's maybe only dependent upon you, right? Sure. And I mean, I've been a church planter in the past, so we've had the same thing. If it's just me, it, you can kind of take more risk, or you can flow with that. Then the moment that you realize that other people and even their livelihood are dependent upon the structure and the that structure needing to be maintained, then yeah. suddenly structural maintenance becomes a thing. Suddenly you're taking 
you know, church, church plants start really exciting. And then it becomes about like organizational maintenance. And, and then pretty soon it becomes institutional, you know, <laughs> in, in this monolith. And then mm-hmm. you wonder what happened to all the progress and the exciting years and whatever. So this isn't, I mean, this is just true to any organization that's ever started. But I guess I wonder what that means for you um, at the rabbit room about, okay, we want to be able to say no. We want healthy reflection. We want rest. We want, we want Sabbath. But now you just said, hey, we've got a staff. We have, we have a store. Like, we, like, I guess, what does that mean? And, and is that, is that hard to navigate that? Or does, does that, is that uncomfortable for you? Maybe I'd say. Yeah. Um, it is. Hmm. I th- I don't. It it is interesting. It's not uncomfortable to me because I, I I really from the very beginning of the idea of the rabbit room, like we envisioned this multifaceted, beautiful machine. You know, and that's a bad way to put it. May, what, how, a beautiful garden. How's that for a better sure, metaphor? Sure. Like where good things could grow, and and gardens need maintenance. You know, gardener gardens need a gardener, or, or it's wilderness, and so. Um, I think in that context, the, the rabbit room was always meant to be this, this place for people, which would require, uh, work and, and, you know, so we've grown toward that over the years. And now that we have Northwind Manor, um, as a gathering place, like it's, it's grounded in a way that it never was before. And so, Mm -hmm. so we're really excited about that, but also as a Wendell Berry fan, like, I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in big ag. I'm interested in a small farming community. You know what I mean? Like, and I want to make sure that that the rabbit room doesn't uh and i think everybody's on the same page that we don't want this to become a corporation where like we're replicating and it's all about we've got to keep growing or we're going to die you know um so i i'm i'm great with that i think i think a well-run business is a god-glorifying thing that that Mm -hmm. like a, a business that is run with kingdom uh with a kingdom mindset is a really beautiful thing and and can help a lot of people. And so, so I don't feel uncomfortable, comfortable about that. I, um, I know that like for us, and I I hope it's okay to talk about this. Um, but the, uh, you know, we, we wrestled with what it is that the rabbit room is actually supposed to be doing, you know, like what, what is our real calling and we you know we we're that thing comes into sharper and sharper focus as the years go on and so we refined our mission statement a little bit this year um to give a give ourselves some clarity about like what it is that we're actually supposed to be doing so that we don't um collapse with exhaustion because we're trying to do a bunch of things that we're not really meant to be doing yeah and so uh so you know the new mission statement the rabbit room um, cultivates and curates art, music, and story to, to nourish Christ-centered communities for the life of the world. So the rabbit room, our job, um, you know, and, and I think, uh, that one of the things that we wrestled with was that, was that because community is such a big part of what, what the rabbit room, um, what inspired the rabbit room, um, we found ourselves, um, torn between, um, like we found that people were expecting us to maintain their communities. Mm-hmm. Right. And people were expecting us to like provide, like people would meet, meet me and say, Hey, how do I get involved in the rabbit room? And it's always yeah. like, Oh my goodness, I don't even know. Like uh, show up at the local show, 
read the blog. I, I don't really know. And we, we slowly began to realize that like what our, our, what we're called to do is to create things that build community. Right. And so th- there was a wonderful analogy that um, somebody m- told me this, they were like, Hey, we're thankful for the rabbit room because it's like, you guys have, you guys have uh, planted the seed and it is a tree that has grown so big that it has provided nests right? Mm. Um, it has become a tree where birds yeah. can make their nests, right? That's beautiful. And I loved that. I was like, that's a beautiful, and I, I'm, I'm, you know, I wrote a book about trees this year. So trees were like on my mind. <laughs> and uh, we were sitting in this um, vision meeting that we were having about this stuff. And I was like, what if we thought of the metaphor of a tree? What is the rabbit room? And so we all kind of like wrote our ideas. We drew a diagram of a tree and we're like, you know, the soil is scripture. The roots are you know, um, the, the different members of the rabbit room team, the, the trunk is this, whatever, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get it all right because there were all these different ideas that we we brought into focus, but ultimately the rabbit room, the branches of the rabbit room, the publishing, Hutchmoot, the website, all of these things are places where people can make nests, right. And find each other, but we are not nest builders. And so this realization that like we are providing a space where these things can that where the fruit, which is the Holy Spirit's business, can then go plant other trees around the world because that's you know this the heart of the gospel is for the life of the world, and so that's kind of a rambly explanation, but but it was like this clarifying thing to us where like oh man that that excites me because I'm like then we can really dig into publishing authors that we really believe in. We can really dig into Hutchmoot as a conference that sets the table for people to meet each other and find each other and. And then it's kind of on them to go, go back home and figure out how to do this. And, mm-hmm. and ultimately we go, we don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Like what the, the fruit is his business. And our, our job is, is to, to grow the tree as well as we can and to nourish it as well as we can. And, uh, and so I think what I'm getting at ultimately is that part of the creative process is figuring out, um, what your job is and what, um, is what your job isn't, but also what the Holy Spirit's job is. Right. And, and kind of realizing like we are not in charge of as much as I think we think we're in charge of a lot of times. Um, and so one of my favorite illustrations of that is that I've used in different contexts before is in Lord of the Rings when Samwise, uh, when Frodo is basically killed by Shelob the spider and Sam, is like, well, I guess I've got to carry the ring to Mordor. And he takes the ring and immediately he begins getting tempted. So sweet, simple farmer Samwise <laughs> takes the ring and then has these visions of himself as a commander of armies, you know. And uh, and it, it says in Lord of the Rings, it says that he looks out at the wasteland of Mordor and he sees, uh, he sees you know, this ruined landscape. And, he, and the gardener in him is like, I, with a sweep of my hand, can turn this whole valley green. And, uh, and then it, he basically remembers the Shire at that moment. And he's like, I don't want to be in charge of anybody else's hands. Mm-hmm. He was like, I don't want, it's not my job to turn the Valley green. It's my job to tend my own garden. And it says that his hobbit sense returned to him and he kind of like the, the, the spell was broken. But that idea that like, we could, we could look at it as we're going to change the world and, and you're going to like, um, it's going to ruin you. <laughs> like you can't do that. Like, yeah, yeah. We, we just, you know, we can barely, 
make our bed in the morning. So what, what are we kidding ourselves? Yeah. So, uh, so I think that like this idea of like figuring out, identifying what is your garden? Um, and, um, what are the boundaries of it? And how do you nourish that garden as well as you can? And, and, uh, I think that that, if more people were doing that, then, then I think the Valley would, would turn green, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, so anyway, that, that, that's, it just kind of comes back to like human flourishing and what we were made for. And we were not made for Like we're not supposed to do this grand scale work. We're supposed to do small, constant, steady work and, and entrust the rest of it to the Lord. Yeah. It sounds like you're like that, that analogy, like, do you feel you're in that moment right now where, where maybe you've, you like you're have your shire senses returned to you? Is, is that the, is that the redoing of the mission statement? Is that, is that our shire senses are returning to us in this season? I think so. I think in the rabbit room, that's true. I think I have a long way to go. I'm okay. I I still struggle with it, man. I I, like, it's hard for me to say no. When you say struggle with it, you mean like Sabbath is, is that really what you're getting at? Yeah. I, I, I struggle to, um, without guilt, say no to things. Um, mm-hmm. I, like I, uh, I really love to play music, you know, I really love the idea of writing a book. I really love. So, and so, um, it's, it's hard for me to like figure out and, you know, it's not, it's much better than it used to be. I used to, okay. I, you know, I've had a, I had a breakdown a few years ago where I was, um, you know, in a really bad space, but, but I, you know, there are days when I, I've never had an anxiety attack, but I feel like I've had the, the beginnings of one. Like I, I know people um, who have described to me like what it feels like. And I'm like, I'll be driving down the road and I'll feel like my chest kind of tighten and I'll realize that I need to take deep breaths and I'll be like, what is going on? And I'll realize that like, I think that I'm overwhelmed. There are too many things that I've said yeah. yes to and I don't know how to do it. So what I end up doing is hiding. I, I, I kind of like come out here to the chapter house and I'm supposed to do all of this work. And instead I'll draw a tree mm. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a way of like, uh, self-protection. Sure. And, but it's also a really healthy way of going, you know what, I'm going to put things in the right order. I'm going to do something that has no back end. This doesn't make me a dime. It's uh, quote unquote, a waste of time. And it kind of is a way of pushing back at this, this, feeling of that there's this massive expectation on us. Um, so I'm, I'm figuring it out. I'm getting better and better about it. And I think over the years, like our, when our family, um, Jamie and I started going over to the UK and Sweden in the summers for a couple of weeks or a month or whatever, doing shows to kind of get there, but then using that time to be far, far from Nashville, <laughs> uh, <laughs> in a place where my phone doesn't really work anymore and I can really rest. Um, I think that's become more and more important to us. Um, but you have to, you have to really mean to do it. You have to, you cannot just assume that it's going to take care of itself. You have to fight, fight to create that space for flourishing. Yeah. an an unintentional life will never result in Sabbath, man. That's a great way to put it. Yep. Yeah what does this mean on the other side of a, like we've all been in a global pandemic, right? So yeah. there's some forced space there, but forced space isn't necessarily Sabbath, but as the world is kind of reopening and demands are reopening, what does that mean for you and you're wrestling with all of this? 
Well, it's it's brought into really sharp relief um, how things ought to be um, and how they are not those things. What I mean is last year was the first year in my entire adult life that I was home for a year. Um, mm-hmm. And it was amazing. <laughs> like I know, I know COVID, COVID was hard for a whole lot of people. Um, and I was talking to a friend of mine who's also a musician and I was like, Hey, how was COVID year for you guys? And he was like, best year of my life. Wow. And I was like, I was like, I kind of feel the same way, but I feel guilty about it because I know that it was really hard on a lot of people. And my buddy goes, I don't feel guilty. We suffered for years as musicians. <laughs> And I was like, Hey, you know what? You're right. We actually did. Like we, like, especially in the beginning of a music career, you go months without knowing how you're going to pay, keep the lights on, you know, you're on the road. So there's like a real price to that you pay to do this life. So then to have suddenly this year where you get to rest for a second and, Mm. and, you know, hopefully there's, there's enough little trickle in income to keep you going, whatever. Um, so that's kind of was my experience was like, I experienced deep, deep rest, deep Sabbath for the first time in my adult life last year. And it was scary. You know, there were financial things that were question marks and stuff, but the Lord took good care of us. And, and, um, and in that sense, like not to hope, I don't think I'm oversharing, but you know, 25 years of music, that's a lot of records and a lot yeah. and, and books and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, even though none of them were like big million selling records, like the accumulation of a lot of that work trickles in and it ends up amounting to enough to stay afloat, you know, sure, sure. Um, residual income or whatever. And, but I didn't know that, like I, I had lived so much of my life in fear as a mm-hmm. self-employed musician that like, anytime I stopped, I was just like, we're going to go belly up. I've got to get more shows and I would hit it hard again. And I remember when I called. Uh, when I got sent home from England, we were on tour in the UK, came home and uh, thinking at that point in March of last year, we were like, surely in a couple months, we're going to be back to normal. And then I started seeing my tours just get canceled, you know, one after another. And I called my manager and I was like, hey, so I have basically no shows this year. What are we going to do? Are we going to be okay? And she was like, well, we crunched the numbers and you know, because of this thing that's coming in or whatever, you're going to be okay. And I was like, wait, what? And she was like, no, you're going to be okay. I was like, why didn't you tell me this five (laughs) years ago that I could have stopped, that I could have gotten off the treadmill, you know? And so the the funny thing is like the, the, uh, there was a meme that showed up in Nashville (laughs) of this woman, like going from being very confused with a, a math equation to this like realization of, ah, and the, the caption was that moment when you realized that canceling the spring tour saved you $200, <laughs> which musicians would get it. And it was like, oh, yeah, we're not having to rent a tour bus. We're not having yep. to pay musicians. We're not having to do all this stuff. So all that to say, it, in a very real sense, there was like it was like I was a farmer who had been in harvest season for 25 years. Yeah. And then in 2020, I was able to sit back and have a Thanksgiving dinner. That was like, it was like of rest and of being grounded to place. And, um, also a lot of awful things. There were like genuinely terrible things that, uh, we all felt during 2020. And, um, but I was home to experience them fully, you know? Um, so I don't want to get in the weeds about money and stuff, but since we are talking about Sabbath, I do, I just do think that, that like the light bulb came on last year for me. And I was like, 
this is how this is closer to a vision of I think the way God meant for us to exist in yeah. community in place um, with a a real trust that God is going to provide for you. Um, and now that 2021 is in full swing, I feel this like, well, everybody chill out for a second, <laughs> including me. Like, it's like, man, everybody's getting caught up and I'm, it's, it's hard. It's hard yeah. to get used to. Man. Let me ask one more because we're obviously this whole conversation is focused on Sabbath. You, you mentioned earlier, you're, you know, you have an extensive body of work. You have a quarter century leaning into the arts and now have fostered, shepherded, led this community, uh, the rabbit room along with others, obviously. Are there things that you've learned about Sabbath that you would like Sabbath and creativity, especially that relationship that you feel like, gosh, if I could, if I could share something I've learned with people in that vein, um, this would have saved me a lot at the beginning and I hope it saves someone else. Hmm. Uh, well, um, that's a, that's a good question. I feel like I've kind of said some of those things already. I, I, um, that, you, that, well, yes. How about this? Yeah. Um, because I grew up a pastor's kid, super poor money has, I've, I've never had a comfortable relationship with money. <laughs> I've always been afraid that I would have too little or too much. And it has kind of held this, like, it's been this specter in my, in my life. And now that I'm older, I, I look back at my career and it's pretty obvious to me that, that, um, fear and ambition were kind of the, the two, um, voices, you know, the two, the, the devil on each shoulder, um, fear that I'm not going to be able to provide for my kids, um, fear of being irrelevant, you know, all, the, all of that stuff. Yeah. And on the other side, it was this real ambition, this like desire to leave a mark, um, to try to build some weird thing that you could put your name on. Uh, and you know, it wasn't always that way, but if I'm really honest with myself, I, I look back and I'm like, yeah, I mean, mixed in with the real desire to help people see how beautiful the gospel is. Um, this desire to, to hopefully create some avenue where people will feel less alone or where they'll, you know, ideally have a collision with the person of Jesus, right? Like that's what I really want. But, but there's a, there's also, because I'm human and I'm frail mixed in with all of that is like, but man, I, I sure hope people show up at the show. It sure is a lot more fun if people are here and, and what, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, I think on one hand, keep your eye out for those things. Like fear is not a good reason to, to, uh, it's not, it's not a, something you, you shape your life around. Ambition is not something you shape your life around. One of my favorite Rich Mullins quotes is if your ambition is to leave a legacy, you'll leave a legacy of ambition. <laughs> that's good that's very that's good oh so good it sounds like chesterton but it's like it's good it's 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 great because it's like there a lot of times we can convince ourselves but I, i'm building this thing you know so that whatever uh we if, you, if your ambition is to build something so that you will be remembered then the thing that you're building isn't what's going to being remembered anyway i don't need to explain the 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 maxim but the uh 
so, so those two things are, are dangerous. That's, that's the first thing is like, yeah. ask yourself, am I doing this out of faith or fear? Ask myself, am I trying to build my own kingdom or God's kingdom? And, uh, keep those questions at the forefront of your mind while you're yeah. doing the creative work that you're doing. The other side of the coin is don't let those things and your mixed motives stop you from making something. Don't wait until your motives are perfect before you do the thing because they will never be perfect. So I think our, the enemy of our hearts would rather us be, be frozen by our own fear of screwing it up and not make anything at all than, uh, than to kind of wildly, recklessly step out into it all and say, I'm a mess, but I just got to do this thing and trust that God is going to redeem your fear and your ambition and all of the the mixed motives that are thrown into it because he doesn't need for our motives to be perfect for him to, to move in the things that we make. So we, we are, you know, fundamentally image bearing creatures of a creator. And so the things that we make, so the making of something, um, is, is a really, you know, it's, 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 uh, one of the most, um, embodied pictures of who we were always meant to be is the process of speaking something into being. And um, and so be careful while you're doing it, but also don't let that carefulness stop you from making something. Just get in there and and do it. And and you'll figure it out along the way, um, what, what to fix and what not to fix. You know? Does that make sense? Yeah. That yeah. would be my advice for a young, young creative person. That's great, that's great. Andrew, thanks so much for taking the time in, the, in a busy season. Yeah, man. Um, I'm so glad to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. You too. You too. Thanks so much for joining us. Call It Good is brought to you by the Rabbit Room Podcast Network, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. To listen to all the podcasts on our network, visit rabbitroom.com slash podcasts. The work we do at The Rabbit Room wouldn't be possible without the generous support of our membership. If you're a member, thank you for being a part of what is happening here. To learn more about membership and help us continue to create works like this, visit rabbitroom.com membership.